0: As we turn to God's word, would you pray with me? Let's just take a nice deep breath. Mindful of God's presence among us. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Would you stand for the reading of scripture this morning? We are finishing out these Advent texts in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who's been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared in the sky. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for this child. And when you found him, bring word to me so that I may go and pay him homage also. When they heard the king, they set out and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east until it stopped over the place where the child was. You can be seated. So we've had this theme uh, throughout Advent and now here in this Christmas season. It's been the theme of angels. Uh, Thank you for all the wonderful feedback that you've given to us. We have not focused yet on the wise men, um, which we will do today to close out this series. Um, The wise men are a fascinating story. We spent uh, an entire Advent a couple years ago focusing on them. Um, Where do angels come into the story? Angels are not noted in the story of the wise men. But the text gives us a number of clues of angel involvement. Uh, At the beginning, the star. There are a number of scholars that actually think that that is some sort of angelic being, uh, an understanding of the heavens back then. But I want to focus particularly at the end of the narrative. What happened to these wise men? Maybe you've asked that question. Um, If their actions are instructive to us in this narrative, if there's things that we're supposed to glean for our own faith lives, wouldn't it be nice to know more about them, what happened to them after this narrative, what became of their lives? Uh, well, the sum of what happened to these wise men comes from that last verse, Matthew 2, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. So after presenting their gifts, here's what Matthew says. He says, having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Angels aren't noted here. You don't see the word angels, right? You don't see the word messenger. But it says that they were warned in a dream. Joseph, too, was spoken to in a dream when he was told about Jesus being born. So it's fair to assume that an angel was indeed speaking to them in a dream or there's some sort of angelic message here. The dream angel leads them home by a different way than they came. It doesn't say how. It doesn't say where they were going. And biblically, that's it. They drop out of the story. They they do not come back into the story of Jesus. They're not mentioned again. But where the gospel story ends, the tradition of the church takes over. Um, Various traditions say that there were, in fact, three magi, that their names were Melchior, Caspar, and Balthazar, um, one tradition says that they came from and represented the three continents of the Old World, Europe, Asia, and Africa, uh, respectively. Apparently, uh, they were deeply affected by their encounter with Jesus and either became Christians immediately, Christ followers immediately, or quickly converted uh, after the apostles shared about the ministry of Jesus. Uh, they were so strong in their faith. That tradition tells us that they willingly accepted martyrdom at the end of their lives. Uh, As such, they are considered saints in the church. Tradition tells us that St. Helena, a a very, very important woman, visited Jerusalem in the 4th century, and she actually recovered the bones of the Magi and brought them back to Constantinople. They were eventually moved to Milan and then to Cologne, Germany, where you can apparently go and visit them today. I've been there. Uh, they are in, a, in, a, in, a, in the cathedral there in Cologne. Just to be clear, I'm always a bit skeptical when it comes to the historical reliability of many of the relics throughout Christendom. But I think it is interesting to note that there is a tradition surrounding these magi. Um, whether this tradition is totally reliable or, or, lot, or not, is kind of largely immaterial to me. What's interesting to me is that there is a tradition at all because the fact that there is a tradition means, if, if that tradition is even partly true, it means that these wise men actually listened to the angel's message that was given to them in that dream. Here's what we can actually know from the Bible of what became of the Magi. Two things. They protected the Christ child like the angel told them to do. And they traveled home by a different route than the way they came, which the angel told them to do. I want to take these one at a time. First of all, they protected the Christ child. Earlier in the narrative, verses 7 and 8, we read that King Herod secretly called the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared so that he could calculate the time of birth. And then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word so that I may go and pay him homage. King Herod, uh, a notoriously paranoid man, did not like the idea of these men from afar paying homage to a king other than him. So he instructs them to come. And, and give him a report so that he can ostensibly go and worship as well, but we all know that that was not his intention. He did not intend to go and worship the Christ child. He wanted to know where Jesus was so that he could eliminate him as a rival king. We know this is true because in verse 16 in Matthew chapter 2 it says, When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years older under according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Clearly, this was not a man who was interested in paying homage to Jesus. He's the architect of the massacre of many, many innocent children. It's a very difficult story to read, even more difficult to comprehend the historical realities of that and what that would have meant for that community. Were it not for God, speaking in another dream to Joseph, Jesus could have easily been one of those casualties. That was the design. But because Mary and Joseph were obedient, they fled to safety to Egypt before the massacre happened. So these wise men, in their willful disobedience of King Herod's request, end up protecting and saving the Christ child. And for that, we should be thankful for them. Second, the text tells us that they returned home by another route than the way that they came. Uh, We don't know for certain where the Magi come from. But we know that whatever route brought them to Bethlehem via that star, they had to take a different route home. This might very well have everything to do with avoiding King Herod, avoiding having to speak with him again. But there's perhaps uh, another meaning here as well. Maybe God continued to lead them by another star, adventures of of a different kind, a a different way of of, of their knowledge of the stars. Or, Or perhaps this indicates that they've indeed been changed by their experience with the Christ child, and it changed the course of their lives. They couldn't go back to their normal lives. So that's what we know. Not a ton. We don't know a ton biblically about these magi, but I think it's enough for us to make a couple connections this morning. In fact, I think the, these last two acts of their biblical record are principles that we can likewise live into. So, my challenge is that we are to be like the wise men in their obedience to the angel's message, being faithful to follow God's leading. We are to search for Jesus. We are to give our very best to him, like they do. And we are to recognize him as the Messiah. And we are to worship him. And then we are to protect our relationship with him and be changed. Protect our relationship with Jesus. And be changed. I want to go one at a time on these. Just as the wise men protected the baby Jesus, so we ought to make a daily practice of protecting our relationship with Jesus from harms of various kinds. Um, What is it? What am I I talking about when I talk about protecting the baby Jesus? Um, Just as a way of illustrate, I don't know if any dads. Certainly, I know most moms relate to this. Maybe dads too. I've got a pretty strong protective instinct um, with my own family for years of youth ministry. I've got a pretty, pretty protective instinct in me. Um, I am not the most detail-oriented person. I am not a worrier. I'm not always looking for the worst possible thing to happen. I'm not thinking through those eventualities. But I find that as a dad, uh, as, a, as a leader at church, I'm constantly walking behind groups of people. Anybody do this? I constantly am walking behind my kids. Kids, do you notice that I do this? Yes, they're nodding. Um, Because I do this. I don't have to do it as much. They're older now. But especially when they were younger, I always wanted to have eyes on my kids. Same thing with youth group uh, over the years. I always wanted to have an eye. I was always counting in my mind. How many kids are here? Did we leave anybody behind? Um, I want to see if there are any pitfalls ahead of them. I want to see if there are any seedy characters walking towards them. I want to see if any of them are drifting towards a busy street if anyone is straying from the path. Um, Katie knows that if we're in uh, extended family, if we're, we're in a group, I'm always going to kind of fall behind and make sure that everybody gets where they need to go, that everything um, is in front of me so I can see it. And I realized upon reflection that as a single man or a married young man before kids, I never, ever would have thought to walk behind a group of people. Never would have crossed my mind. It wouldn't even be on my radar. But having children, there's something instinctive that my priority everywhere I go is to keep them safe. The responsibility of these precious children over the years makes me see things differently and act differently. It would be patently negligent and ridiculous for me, if we're in downtown Chicago, for me to lose one of my children in downtown Chicago and decide to go sit on a park bench, grab some coffee, and say, I'll I'll deal with that later. Someone else will take care of my kid for me. I'm sure everything will be just fine. But I'm fearful that that's how many of us treat our relationship with Jesus. We don't protect it. We don't even think about protecting. We either can't recognize the dangers to that relationship or we recognize them and we just don't really take those dangers seriously. The wise men went to great, great lengths to protect Jesus, and if we are are likewise to name him as our Lord and Savior, we need to do the same. Why does Jesus need protecting at all? Well, because our relationship with him is vulnerable. It is. If we aren't vigilant, protective, and aware, it can go missing. It can have harm come upon it. Most often, it's our persistent, unaddressed sins that make this relationship vulnerable. Perhaps it's an addiction or an attitude. Maybe it's an unwillingness to forgive. Maybe it's a looseness of tongue, an inability to treat others as created and loved by God. Maybe it's not a sin that leaves your relationship with Jesus vulnerable. Maybe it's more environmental for you. You have a group of friends that discourages your faith? A career that that pulls you away from the heart of Jesus? Maybe you've chosen to stay too long in a place of depression and sadness? These are those pitfalls, those crowds, those strangers that threaten your relationship with Jesus. So by all means, protect the Christ child. Protect the Christ child. When you sense these sins or these environmental threats... Go after them with fervency and passion. Return to Jesus and take that relationship far away from those threats. Don't return to Herod. Protect your relationship with Jesus. A simple way to do this, if you're not sure where to begin, is to have a conversation with God and to ask him. Just say, God, what in my life is threatening to pull me away from relationship with you? Reveal it to me. Show it to me. I trust that many of you already know the answer to that question, but if you don't, I trust that God will reveal it to you if you ask him. Second thing, we should follow the wise men's example and go home by another route. The example here is that if Jesus does not change the course of our lives, change our direction, we have to ask, have I really encountered him at all? Did I really come to worship him? And adore him. I say this because it's my experience that whenever someone encounters the Christ child and recognizes him for who he truly is, the road home changes for them. To encounter Christ is to be changed, it's to take up the challenge to live our lives in new ways. So I think of these wise men and how difficult the road home must have been. Um, The old road that they took to get there, they knew. They were familiar with the landmarks and the potholes and the speed bumps and whatever else. If they followed the old road home, they could navigate their way with comfort and and some security and some certainty. But that's not the way of the untraveled road and the untraveled life. A new road, an alternate route, presents us with unknown challenges. What kinds of threats might be lurking behind roadside bushes? How many... Side roads might we be enticed to follow that will ultimately lead us to dead ends. Where are the turns when the pavement becomes a dirt road? And how about this? I never really thought about this. Matthew doesn't say that there was a star to lead them home on their journey. Do you know, Do you notice that? They had knowledge of the stars. Perhaps they, they knew anyways, but we don't know, we don't have any indication that there was a blazing star to tell them how to get home. So this was a journey they had to navigate with God's blessing and his spirit, but seems like maybe not that blazing star. When I think about my authentic encounters with Jesus in my life, it's hard for me to imagine returning to the life that I had before. I've had to sever some friendships. I've had to quit certain activities. I've had to change daily rhythms in my life. I've had to do some hard work to address sins in my life. It's not easy to do that. It's often lonely to do that but I can't imagine going back to the the same place after I've had an encounter with Jesus. I was changed. If this is a foreign idea to you, let me invite you to do the most exciting thing ever in 2024. I'd invite you to have an authentic encounter with Jesus. Seek him daily. Come to church, just like you are today, ready to come and meet him. Sign up to to go on a retreat or go to a conference, find some great worship music to listen to, read your Bible with fervency. Just keep seeking him and I know that you'll encounter him and you'll be changed. This is how the gospel of Jesus works. And if you find your road rocky and and unfamiliar after an encounter with Jesus, let me encourage you that you are likely right exactly where you are supposed to be. So, The wise men teach us, protect your relationship with Jesus and let your faith journey change you. That's the model of the wise men for us today. I was thinking about this as I was watching the various wise men up on the chancel six days ago here on Christmas Eve. They tend to be like fourth through sixth grade boys, um, all dressed up. They have gifts in their hands. Um, in a couple of services, the wise men actually came up here and like kneeled down and, and gave their gifts to Jesus, um, which is really amazing. We had five amazing baby Jesuses, by the way. It was incredible uh, this year. So every time there's a baby in this manger and the wise men come and they give their gifts, I'm moved. It's a gesture that kind of gets me every time because there's an earnestness in this gift giving in a sense of the journey that the Magi had taken and even a sense about how their lives have been changed by this encounter with Jesus. These men of great wisdom who are bowing down before a baby. So it occurred to me, watching that again this year, that we had both a sermon about the wise men and the perfect ending to Advent, and a great word for us to usher in a new year. It's our prayer as a staff that you, like those wise men long ago, and even those young boys and girls who, who don robes and and and, and uh, beards and jewels a week ago, that you too have encountered Christ in some way in this Advent, in this Christmas season, that you've come to, to worship and adore him, that you've come to lay your gifts before him and to commit yourself to Jesus. For many of us, this, this week is going uh, to mark a return to our places of work. After vacation, kids will be back in school in about a week. Returning to our homes after visiting family, I know for us, the Christmas decorations are going to come down. We're going to be preparing to get into new rhythms in this new year. It is a new year and a new beginning and a fresh start. It's also an opportunity for us to remember these last two actions of the Magi. What if part of our resolution in this new year is to take seriously the call to protect your relationship with Jesus Christ? What if part of our intent for 2024 is for Jesus Christ to change our route in life, to indeed change us, to change our hearts? Let's not put these Magi lessons away like we do the nativity costumes and the Christmas decorations this week. Let's return to our normal rhythms with a desire to protect protect Jesus and to be continually changed. And in doing so, we're going to experience the same as those Magi, and we're going to walk in their faithful footsteps. May it be so. Would you pray with me? Lord, would you teach us what it means to protect our relationship with you? Would you teach us what it means to have the kind of encounter with you in which we indeed are changed? We're thankful for the faithful models throughout this entire series. Zechariah and, and Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and the wise men. Thank, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to send your messengers to them with messages of hope. Messages that change their lives. And for the hope that it gives us, Lord, that we can say today that you are still speaking that you are still sending your messengers. We invite you, Lord, to speak to us. We invite you, Lord, to send your message of hope to us. And may it lead to fresh encounters with you, and may we be changed. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's respond in song together. Would you stand? Let's sing this beautiful hymn. Let's sing this chorus.